As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Pot of Thunder, the recognized symbol of excellence in rock and roll podcasting, brought to you by Blue Microphones. They look great. They sound even better. And if you're recording something and you're not using Blue Microphones, your product, let me see what this says here, is an inferior piece of shit. Okay, that's some strange copy, but that's what they're going with. All right. Well, welcome to the program. Guess who it is? You'll never guess. Come on now, give it to me. Here's my buddy Andy. I can't get one past you. It's your buddy Andy, America's little brother, as always, joined by... Bam! Bam! Gnarly Nick the Garlic Dragon. Welcome to the program, Nicholas. All right, then. Thank you for the welcome. Okay, good. And then, over there, the breakout star of the podcast medium, there he is. He was a moocher, a card sheet, a country club golf hustler, a scumbag. It's Chris L. There he is. Put your hands together for him. Oh, I hope the roof's on tight because he's here today. Chris L. <laughs> Just hear you wow. breathe through your nose, Jeez, and that's you enough. Couple, you guys realize you're on the radio? You're on the radio! My goodness. Everybody recognizes that voice, right? He's back. He's back. There he is. Oh, here we go. Boom! That's right. It's Chris Jericho back again. Thanks That's for all I get. Don't I get like a like some kind of a? He was a mucha. He was a cod shock. You want more than that? Fuck, I've been on this. I've been on this thing enough times. You should have something for me. Well, we give you Paul Stanley saying "boom." That's pretty cool. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's. that's what I say, boom. Yeah, that's yeah, that's boom. very cool. So, guys, a lot going on. First thing we need to talk about. I was looking at the calendar. Ooh, someone's popping claws over there. Popping the claws, baby. I was looking at the Are calendar. Are you really drinking a white claw there? Yeah, you know why? Because you can't start drinking vodka this early because I'll be super fucking loaded and my wife will kick me out. So the claws, mm-hmm. 
or um, not bad. It's only a uh, hundred calories, uh, whatever. So I got refreshment. It's a good good day drink. It's yeah. a good day drink. So guys, I was looking at my calendar, and this episode comes out on Monday. And do you do you know what Monday is, guys? Uh, no, what's mile? No. Well, it is, <laughs> but it is. Star Wars Day, Chris L. Are you pumped? Oh, May the fourth oh, be with that. Chris L. Oh my god! So you know what? We can't do anything. No mention of Star Wars without this. My demo was much better. <laughs> <laughs> and how about? Uh, oh, I never told you what happened to your father. He told me you killed him. No, I am your father. That's not true. No! That's nice for Betty. (laughs) (laughs) And how about one more? One more. Uh, uh, You like that, huh? I think the other the other uh, uh, lost scene was when he goes, uh, Luke, I'm your father. And Luke goes, I don't go for that shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there it is. Darth Simmons makes a return to the podcast. <laughs> I don't go for that shit. <laughs> uh, so Chris L. earlier in the week made a... a, a, a a much uh, enjoyed excursion away from Pot of Thunder over to Talk is Jericho to join us for the Kiss Analyze Uncensored Watch Along. And uh, much to my surprise, he had never seen it. It was the first time he ever saw that uh, that uh, gig. Well, like I told everybody else on there, it's part of the fun of these new discoveries when somebody is on and they've never heard or seen something before and in with a group of guys who have, then uh, it definitely makes the interaction a little more interesting, I think. Did you enjoy it? Oh, yeah. I thought it was great. I was yeah, surprisingly it was good. It was fun having you on there. We had a good time. So great, good times uh, continue. Great, great energy level from the band on that performance. It was uh, Bruce's very first gig ever. Um, How- well, no, it wasn't his, maybe it wasn't his first gig his ever. His first that official day, gig, yeah. That day he officially signed up as a member of KISS, yeah. right? Yes. So how long was he playing with them as a fill-in leading up to that? Not long, right? Not long. It couldn't have been too long, right? And I think he'd only done a few gigs as kind of a, a backup guy for Mark St. John, kind of on tour playing half the set where Mark would play the first half until his fingers got too... It's too fucked up or whatever it was, fat from whatever problem he had. And he turned into an angry bee. I did? No. <laughs> and oh, that, yeah. 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 Was he the angry bee or was it Vinnie Vincent? It was Mark St. John, right? Yeah, it yeah, was Mark St. John. But they were both. They're both angry. Vinnie had the riffs, though. That's why. That's why they, they gave him a more credit. Yeah. Both angry bees, though. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, back to the uh, back to the Star Wars stuff. There was one uh, oh. another one that we missed out on. The Luke, I'm your father. Don't listen to this oh, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and there's another uh, uh, lost scene where he says, 
Luke, I am your father. And Luke goes, no, no, it's impossible. And Dorothea goes, that's just the fucking way it is. <laughs> All right. We're having a good time oh, this ha- week, guys. We're having fun. So um, everything was good with your uh, Talk is Jericho appearance, Chris L. Enjoyed yourself? Oh, absolutely. Awesome. I look forward to listening to it. We had uh, Casada on and uh, Frank, the drummer from Fozzy. So yeah, all good stuff. Yeah. Two drummers and, and us. Yeah, so that means I was the only non asshole on the uh, panel that night. <laughs> two drummers. Yeah, two and drummers. Yeah, and a lead singer. Yeah, that's true. Guilty as charged. Wow. All righty. So, guys, back to business. Today, we're going back to the listener submission list. A lot of songs, a lot to choose from. We're going to roll the dice here and see what we get. And today, it's going to be my choice. So strap in. It could get ugly. Nick, please fire up that Bozo Pewter. Stand by. Let's go over to the Bozo Pewter. That organist is laboring to get through that. Uh, the <laughs> intro is becoming my favorite part of the show. Of the way. Yeah. All right. So here we go. We got I one. Hope that guy just didn't make real He was earning a lot more. <laughs> what was that, Nick? My God. So I hope that that organist wasn't just getting paid scale. Oh, okay. He a lot more. <laughs> I hope he doesn't get paid by the note. They go out of business. My God. Who? Yeah, he did. Talk mm. about an angry bee, huh? That was guy's a- flying over the keyboard there. He is. He is. <laughs> so, um, I don't like it. I will be bushwicking this song. Move along to the next trick. All right. Now, are you going to uh, adhere to the Chris Brown rule today? Who's Chris Brown? Not the woman battering rapper. Oh, okay. But the okay. drummer oh, of the Dirty Crash who instituted this uh, this rule for picking songs from the listener submission list. Okay. Then yes, I will. I was just I wasn't sure who we were talking about. Let's do that. Nick, press that button again on that bozo pewter. Mr. Jericho, are you familiar with the Chris Brown rule? Have we gone over this before? We have not. I've never been uh, exposed to that before. Okay, so <laughs> Andy has rejected the first choice from the Bozo Pewter. So according to the Chris Brown rule, if he rejects the second choice, he must go with his third choice. So that brings a little intrigue and pressure to the second oh, choice. Oh, Okay. So wow. he has to decide if he if he hates choice two, does he hate it enough to risk getting something even worse, worse on choice three? So it's like that briefcase game show that was really popular for a while. What's in the briefcase, whatever the fuck it was called? Yeah, deal or no deal. That was it. That's right. Same What's thing. What's in the briefcase? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's in the briefcase would have been a better name. <laughs> That's what it would be if it was named today. It seems like there's no uh, creativity in any titles of anything in media. Yeah, exactly. Anymore. It's like, oh, it's a, it's a movie about ice skating. It's called Ice Skating. Okay. What? Terrible. All right. All right. I'm going with, you know what? We're going to do a double Bushwick, and we're going to we're gonna get a piece of shit today, guys. Here we go. I don't care. 
We got to do it. No good. No, can I ask what two you uh, turned we down? Or? We okay. gen generally don't reveal that. I can. So, all right. I can tell you in uh, secrecy, in, but in confidence. Yes, in, in confidence. All right, here, one more, Nick. Yank that giant lever. <laughs> Just a bunch of sound effects today. <laughs> it's the whole show. All right, here we go. Last chance. Have we ever gone to these lengths before? Have we ever gotten to this point where we yeah. where we have to pick one? We have, yeah, absolutely. Andy, you I can did. say whatever song you want. We're not going to find it up with bar one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pick your favorite song, and that's it. Well, we, we can't see it. Well, we, yeah, I guess I could do that, but I I am a man of my word. I'm America's great brother. This is Pot of Thunder, not some kind of anarchy. That's exactly, exactly correct. And Andy's a straight shooter. So. Mm -hmm. He is. He's the one guy on this panel that I can I'm trust. Looking forward to this, uh, I'm looking forward to this next track, which is going to be by Yankee Doodle Andy and the Rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite bands. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I got one. Um, Are you happy with it? Yeah. Yeah, is it a known band at Abs least? Because absolutely. That's the big, uh, I'm not doing this the DeSanto <laughs> Brothers bullshit or whatever the hell it was. No, it's absolutely. Or it's good. Well, I think Or we'll even worse, uh, the shitty unsigned band that one of our listeners is a member of. That's, that's the worst. <laughs> case scenario. Yeah, like I said, uh, if you guys adhere to the Chris Brown rule, I'm going to adhere to the Chris Jericho rule, which is means I reserve the right leave. to just fucking leave. <laughs> There's a little red. There's a little red take, X in the corner tempting you. Take your white claws and beat it. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking beat it. Fucking beat it. All right. I think this is good. I think uh, we'll all have something to say about this. So, without any further ado, let's turn the microphone over to a previously recorded Chris Jericho. All right, Harold. This one's called. Cult of Personality. Off oh, of yeah. Vivid. By the band. Living Color. Ow! Woo! Great, well, great pull. Great That's pull. That's a good one, man. I like, I'm happy with that. And they're Oh, hell yeah. You know what's interesting? This is submitted four times by four different listeners. So It's a good one. So See, this, want this it. is one that if I wasn't on the show and I was perusing through the podcast releases and I saw this come up, I would listen to this one. So I'm happy with that. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. I know Chris L is a big fan, and he even had Vernon Reed hair at one point. I did. I wow. In college, right? Not, not, as, not a good look for a white guy, really. But, Were you, you know, wearing a skin-tight body glove neon uh, outfit as well? I was not. Uh, I did tuck my pants into my high tops at one point. So uh, that, was, that was kind of a, a living collar look. I will say this: I was—I I could be a, uh, a stud. I was banging this girl. No, let me rephrase it. I was trying to bang this girl. Probably about 1989. I remember when this song came out, and she was wearing a body glove mm. outfit, and I was able to unzip the front and get a little boob at, boob action. But that was actual thing. People actually wore the body glove outfits. Looked great on chicks, not so much on dudes. Just saying that. What about so Paul Stanley? Outfit. He kind of made it work. 
Who did? Paul Stanley. Or did he? He just wore that tank top. That's a little different. It was body glove branded, but it wasn't the skin type. But my thing. point was all the guys. Well, the singer of Living Color wore a body glove for like three years. I think yeah. he still wears it now. <laughs> yeah, he shouldn't be. Not anymore. a good look. No. But at least he was an athletic black man. He signed a he signed a forty year endorsement deal. That's why <laughs> he got one of those Bobby Bonilla deals. He's still getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> A little-known fact, he also wore a body glove uh, onesie uh, in several of his scenes in Platoon. So, uh, <laughs> so little... Underneath his outfit. It was quite cold in uh, northern Burbank or wherever the hell they filmed that. Yeah, so, like, the continuity error after... You can see it under his fatigues in the, uh, in the, <laughs> in the clips of him in Platoon. So... Oliver Stone didn't notice that uh, when he was shooting it. <laughs> so let, let me ask, ask you a question. Um, and I don't know, once again, I'm the outsider here, but uh, there is a video for this song. Uh, do we follow that or do we just do audio? Just asking. Uh, I could go either way with it. It's up to you guys. I'm going to say we don't need it, but if you guys okay. want to change my mind, you can. I feel like I mean, vi- videos are only they only add to the program when there's something either ridiculous or especially right. iconic happening. When it's just like right. a video, a performance video with some other clips, I feel like it might take away from the show more than add to it. I agree. We're just going to be watching it because nothing really happens in that video. It's not yeah. like Nitro where there's yeah. well, Nitro's Nitro yeah, and then right. Gerardo's Gerardo. But living Color, it's four dudes, you know, thrashing out yeah. playing so we like watching an anthrax video or something really nothing adding to the to the scene right agreed so no. Nick, yeah you okay that's with that, fine Nick? with me but i'm a i'm a little disappointed because i have a i have a long list of gandhi jokes i've been waiting on but i guess that's all right gandhi jokes <laughs> <laughs> well hey, isn't yeah, gandhi in the of, video isn't it a lot of uh, you know what guys i gotta say if there's a video available, maybe we should put it up there just to watch along and uh, see if anything funny comes up. And, That's fine and with here, me. And here, Nick's Gandhi jokes. Hey, I've been yeah. waiting for him. Yeah. He told me back when we did uh, Turn on the Night that he had some good Gandhi jokes that he would save for me, and I've been waiting for like <laughs> three years for that. So. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think one of them is, take my Gandhi, please. <laughs> but no. Uh, uh Andy, while you're queuing that up, I, I, I have a great backstory about my infatuation with the song. So I, I would like to tell it while you get the video ready. Okay. So in college, I was the entertainment editor of the student newspaper. That's cool. And, and every day I would get, uh, you know, stacks of albums from the local label reps. Uh, you know, hoping to get um, press reviews, that sort of thing. So, so every day we get the, you know, the square box with about ten vinyl albums in them. <clears throat> and the beauty, beautiful part about that is, whenever I get done with those albums, I'd go across the street to the used record store and I would sell them for my beer money for the week. So, oh wow! It was a, okay, it was, really, it was a value add there. But um, <laughs> there was no rule against that. I don't think so. I mean, they were all like notched and stamped. That's what I was going to say. Not they... for resale and stuff. And yeah, I, they... I mean, technically it was not above board, but no, no cared. Yeah. <clears throat> so 
um, you know, one day this Vivid came in the stack, and I was going through the stack, and I looked at the cover, and I see the band and all the colors and stuff looking like, you know, kind of a kind of a Cosby show vibe that I was getting from it. <laughs> and so I didn't really, I didn't really think anything of it. <laughs> I didn't really think any of it, so I set it aside. And um, another friend of mine on the uh, student newspaper staff uh, grabbed it. He would help himself to the albums I wasn't really going to deal with. An African-American fellow, one of my good buddies, Ricardo Cooney is his name. So he took that album home. The next day when we got back to the um, newsroom, he comes back with Vivid and said, you have got to listen to this album. I'm like, really? I mean, it doesn't look like anything I'd particularly enjoy just by looking at the cover. He's like trust me go home after work listen to it immediately you're gonna love it and i did and he was right captivated from the from the opening malcolm x narration and then when the band kicked in i was instantly hooked so um a couple little additional details on that to bridge on that because when this came out there was no black rock and roll bands uh, you had obviously Hendrix and those type of things, but for a, a borderline like heavy metal band, basically. And this album, like you said, Chris, this is a perfect album. Every song, our our criteria for a perfect album is every song in A minus or better. This album is pretty much that. Uh, obviously, yeah, Mick, Mick Jagger was very much behind them. Uh, he was kind of uh, he brokered the deal. He sang on a couple songs. I think he might have even produced the record. But here's the thing. Uh, I had all four members of Living Color on Talk is Jericho, and they actually flow, flew me to their gig in Philadelphia to interview them. Hmm. It's the only time I've ever had the entire band on the show, with the exception of, of my band. And they were telling me that when they first came, they were signed to, I believe it's Warner Brothers, and they went to Warner Brothers, and they took them to like the 10th floor. It's like, well, you guys are obviously a rhythm and blues band, you get off of the 10th floor. I said, we're a rock and roll band. They got literally like, no, yeah, sure. Good one. Oh, what wow. Floors, floor is rock and roll on eight? Well, you guys are obviously going to 10. That's rhythm and blues. That's what they were getting even from their own record company. They didn't know them because in 1988, there was no such thing as a, as a, as a all black uh, rock and roll band. So they were up against the wall, even in 1988, which is only 32 years ago, man. It was still more like the sixties yeah. than it is now. Wow. So, yep. You know, another you another tidbit I wanted to offer to you guys. When this album came out, I went to the record store and I only had money for one album. So yes. I think I think I made the wrong choice and I bought Cockroach and Theo's band's album. <laughs> you know, the worst thing is I made I made a terrible choice too. Instead of getting the body glove outfit that was super popular at the time, I went for a Gordon Gatrell and uh, <laughs> just didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I did something similar. I, I I could only afford the body mitten line of uh, apparel. The and, Aldi uh, brand. It was yeah. It was not a flattering fit. Uh, are you guys, I, I, I should, I'd be, uh, I think I, I digress and say we should probably start because I'm just seeing right here that it's four minutes and fifty two yeah. seconds. So 
this could, this could take us a while. Yeah. So I'm ready. Uh, any further comments on Living Color before we get rolling here? No, I think uh, we're all I'm stoked about this. So, all right, all right, and I'll say too, uh, CM Punk's uh, entrance music. That's right, as, as well. Yeah, so we'll get that out of the way. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And during the few moments that we have left, Stop. Is that Nicole Eggert as a baby? Just asking. Continue. Did it look like her? Kind of looked like Nicole Eggert, didn't yeah. it? I don't know. It, at like 12 years old. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, I mean, yeah. it's all historic. <laughs> Which, uh, at 12 years old, I believe, is around the time when she started dating Scott Bale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we're off, boys. Yeah. <laughs> And this was, she dated Scott Bayo immediately after she stopped dating Gandhi. So, <laughs> Which is interesting. So uh, who's yeah. talking right now? Is that Gandhi talking right now? No, no that, that is Malcolm X. Oh, okay. from uh From one of his, like a speech or obviously something, maybe a radio interview he did, but. Um, yeah. But yeah. I think he did that when on I, Eddie when Trunk's I got show. Home, what? Nothing. Now, what did what did you say? I said Just I think it was from an interview on Eddie Trunk's show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bitching about how Paul Stanley lip syncs on stage, probably. Uh, it, it actually, it's interesting because when I uh, went through the Desmond Child box set, um, there was the, uh, a little known demo of "Let's Put the Malcolm X in." Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but but yeah. So when I got home and first listened to this album, I put put it on the turntable. Needle goes down, 
and I'm hearing this intro, and I still don't know what to make of it. And I was seconds away from being crashed right between the eyes with awesomeness. All right, let's get here. Okay, so the first thing you're struck with, obviously, is this incredible riff that mm -hmm. uh, is just... Is know, it one of the greatest rock riffs of all time? I, I mean, think so. Top 100, for sure. So, I think so. I, I mean, when, you're, when you hear this for the first time, you're, you're just blown away by it. You should be anyway. White Claw number two going down. <laughs> it's actually three. Um, okay, who's counting? Not me. Uh, and the second thing you're struck with, and I say this all the time, I've said it on the show many a times, these are how, are how hard rock drums should have sounded throughout the entire 80s. Incredible drum sound on this album. And that's the thing, when you first hear it, especially when you first heard it in 1988, you're like, okay, these guys are next level. These guys knew how to produce an album and the producer of this album by the way is ed stasium hmm. who uh i think went on to do uh like some sound garden some of the grunge bands but uh this was one of his early masterpieces he really? knew how to mix a rock band yeah yeah i think well, mick did have some production work on glamour boys well mick basically uh, discovered them too because he, he yeah. brought them on tour with the stones as well which right. was was because once again, nobody had ever seen this before. And I know it sounds so ridiculous to people listening now, but there was never a, a rocket, a black band that kicked ass like this uh, until this time frame. So they were a revelation when they first came out. And, and, and Mick was one of the guys who brought them to the mainstream saying, these guys are worth checking out. Yeah. So um, just incredible sounding album, one of the best sounding albums of the 80s. And you, you, you realize that instantly when you hear this. Agreed. Who stopped it? Nicholas. So, uh, musically, I uh, musically, I'm getting a huge, and I don't know. I've never read that this was a direct influence, but it had to be on Rage Against the Machine because it's oh, absolutely, huge kind of a groove like that. With absolutely, our riff is so such a Rage Against the Machine type guitar riff, and especially when it goes after it does it a couple times. It keeps yeah. elaborating, kind of. It's like a Rage Against the Machine move right there, too. So. It's a great point. And also, too, once again, just by the, like, all, obviously Living Color was all black dudes, but but also having some black guys like Tom Morello. And I'm not sure what Zach De La Roche is. He, he could be black or whatever he is. But without Vernon Reed, these guys, who is Tom Morello looking to as a heavy rock guitar player from that standpoint? And that's not something... Um, racial to say that's the truth. I mean, as Tom yeah. Rell is like, yeah, I love Eddie Van Halen and I love Ace Frehley, but there's somebody like you know that's that that's like minded and also is the same uh, you know race or whatever we're saying, mm -hmm. same same you know. And I think that's something that's that's also lost in how influential Living Color were that you don't have to be white 
to be in a heavy rock and roll band. Mm -hmm. And once again, I can't stress how much like Chris, you and I are almost the same age, right? Or we're in the same age frame. I'm 40. I'm 49. So Nick, how old are you? 53. How old are you, Nick? I'm 40. So. How old are you, Andy? 37. Okay, so, so so Chris will understand this more than you guys will. At 17 or 18 when this came out, no one could believe it. And I will, I will continue to stress that throughout the entire show in that they were very revolutionary and pioneers in bridging the gap into heavy rock and roll, which is ludicrous when you think about it in 2020. But in 1988, it was a big deal. It was a huge deal. Um, and and Nick, I, I, I'd like to think, you think that... that- Go ahead. Uh, do you do you think that because they were they were the band that that criteria that were kind of I'm sure there were other ones out there, but they were the ones who got put in the spotlight put on them. Do you think that that actually the fact that they were the only band on the scene that were all black? Do you think that that became like I would imagine it helped as much as it may have been a deterrent for them to. I have an answer to get to that point in the first place, but I would think that that would almost be a gimmick. And I hate to sound cynical like that. Well, hold on. Let, let let me answer this because I think I think I you I agree with you because every band has a gimmick, right? And it's like Paul Stanley said: you can't put makeup on a record, or even in my band. Okay, I'm a wrestler. Whatever. If the music sucks, it's not going to work. So right. their gimmick were they was they were the black heavy metal band, which for this record is very heavy, even though they weren't heavy metal, but they appealed to heavy metal kids like me, and they were uh, different from the rest. But had right. they sucked, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, like like the record is fucking classic, and you well, heard that, that right off the bat. Yeah, and that's it's exactly what I was just going to say. I mean, the, the 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 racial thing made them kind of a curiosity. And the, the Mick Jagger connection definitely moved them forward in a lot of ways, but um, they came out of the gate with this song and just grabbed everybody by the neck. And, mm-hmm. you know, gimmicks, curiosity aside, these guys are the real deal, instantly um, identifiable as such. Chris, what kind of radio play did they get? Because I know in Winnipeg, like I said, um, uh, we heard they, they were on the radio constantly. You know, I I was at college at the time, so I wasn't really listening to a lot of local radio, but they were definitely all over MTV. Yeah, they got a big push, right? Yeah. And I know for me personally, I, I, I listened to this album daily for a solid year at least. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was pretty young, but I remember it, and I can vouch for the Chicago radio. They were. Mm. This song was definitely. This is. This is really the only one I remember getting heavy airplay. But yeah, this was. This was going on. And one more thing about Tom Morello, Vernon Reed connection. Even physically, the way those guys hold a guitar, yeah, is similar. Like it's kind of high. They have the high the up. strap high, and their arm is sort of bent. Uh, yeah, that's right. Go back to geometry, like an acute angle more so than like hanging down and playing low. Yeah, yeah so. that's a good point. Full of them, Chris. Full of them. Here, let's keep going. Okay, can I just stop here? Another thing, too, is like, what 
this is 1988, right? What mm-hmm. fucking rock and roll band was talking about Mussolini and Kennedy <laughs> in 1988? It was yeah. more like, you know, uh, nothing but a good time. Uh, freaking, you know, down boys go and, you know. <laughs> yeah. I remember you, uh, you know, fucking 18 in life and all this shit. And they're talking about Mussolini. Which, again, this makes it so that much more remarkable that this was a kind of a hit and definitely got a bunch of uh, <clears throat> radio play. Um and that just that just shows you the power of the the, the production of this album, this the, the riff. I mean that those drums between that kick and that snare, heavy sound. Just al- alternately taking a body blow and a right cross to the jaw every time each one of those drums is hit, and you're loving it every minute of it. Yeah, you know, um, and we ain't talking about Loverboy. Um, it's interesting too because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, um, the, the, the the riff is so heavy with the bass, but it, when I first heard this, once again, you don't know, there's no magazine or there's no like internet or whatever. You just hear this on the radio, on the radio, and this is really cool. I thought the song, though, I thought it was called Cult of Personality, like C-U-L-T-I-V-E. Like ah. C-U-L-T-I-V-E. You've got a cult of personality. Mm. Like to cultivate a personality. I guess a personality, perhaps. I wasn't sure exactly what it meant, but when 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 Last in Line came out, I thought it was called Everlasting Life. So what the hell do I know? <laughs> Everlasting Life. When that part was, I remember the first time I heard that, I was like, holy shit, what a riff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking it, awesome. It, you know, it goes from like an ACDC riff type, like, that's great. But then when it went on that fucking, like, that's something that Metallica would do at the time, or, you know, it was really, that took it to the next level for me. Oh, yeah. And Vernon Reed brings that kind of avant garde New York City jazz uh, influence, like a Sonny Sherrick type thing. That's just, his playing is totally out there, which we'll talk about more about that later. Yeah. About I heard he was more, uh, I heard he wasn't influenced by Sonny Sherrick as much as Sonny and Cher, <laughs> is what I heard. <laughs> that that influence comes into it with his penchant for wearing half shirts on stage. Yeah. But, uh, and, and I know we're watching the video and that's what's to come. I just the video, but the uh, body glove outfit with the uh, the uh, tails, uh, the the shiny uh, coat jacket with tails is a great look here for Corey Glover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, it's got some kind of neon. And speaking of the whole share. Yeah, with, with the share connection, imagine that body glove outfit strutting around a battleship with a bunch of sailors. Drums <laughs> like just a dream. And now the sunny influence is something you do definitely do not want to take under the ski slopes. I'll say that much. <laughs> oh, too soon. Terrible idea. <laughs> terrible soon. idea. Too soon. But, um, <laughs> um, I was going to say something else, but let it roll.
this for a second. Isn't it interesting how they go into a fucking guitar solo at one minute and 40 seconds of a five minute song? Like they're showing you this guy knows how to play. Well, that yeah. could be also um, debated, but he, he has some solos going on here. Well, yeah, like like you just alluded to, there's a lot of people who don't get Vernon Reed and just think he's playing a bunch of nonsense. I'm um, not one of those people. There are people that I know that compare Vernon Reed to Vinnie Vincent and a very talented player who would rather go instead of doing just the And I agree with that to a certain extent, but for whatever reason... I got this guy instantly, and he can do no wrong, in my opinion. For what you, whatever what, reason, it just instantly resonated with me what he was doing. Both jo- both on the guitar and in the barbershop. Correct. <laughs> I was going to say, what do the Jones brothers think? I, I almost feel like this is a Chris J, Chris L, uh, brother, brother, brothers versus brothers show here. Since Chris L's real father is Teddy Irvin. Um I wanted to uh, speak to the potential influence of the band. I mentioned uh, probably Rage Against the Machine. I'd be shocked if it wasn't yeah, I agree. so similar. Um, and also, I forget exactly what year it's from, but it's around this time or shortly after. If you've ever heard um, Stone Temple Pilots demos when they were called Joe Young, half mm-hmm. of them are to me at least sound like mm-hmm. a, they have a living color influence and the other half's like core yeah hmm. they have a like a funk influence yeah. it seems yeah. like whoever the producer yeah, was on I their first album strong influence i, I would yeah get. yeah it seems hmm. like whoever produced their first album was like all right let's split this down the middle all the funk stuff is out let's go the direction of this other stuff and it's interesting too at that time when uh, they were called mighty joe young they also had an acdc cover band called mighty angus young Hold on. I've never heard that, though. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, for me, there was this period, because this stuff came out when I was, you know, pretty young. It was 88, right? So I was five, so I wasn't really paying any attention to it. But then when I was in high school, I got this kick where I got really into the real thing by Faith No More. And then from that, I was looking for other bands that sort of had, like, funk and rock mixed together. So, like, naturally, it's like, oh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, ooh, Living Color, even Ugly Kid Joe to an extent. And you start, you know, finding all these other bands. And then uh, that's how I got into Living Color. And uh, I'm a big fan of this song. But I do think that on the album, if you go through the whole thing, it doesn't seem to have many other songs that rock this hard it's like they're more like like you know glamour boys or no dude you're wrong man you yeah, listen, you're to, wrong. listen to that. desperate people yeah. listen to uh middleman uh, middleman um i mean dude i mean the talking which, heads cover which way to america what's wait. your favorite color funny yeah. vibe that one what's your favorite color i mean just because he yells at the beginning but the rest is just it's just like a it's like a dance song almost well, but that's but it's a heavy dance song. It's something different. Actually, another great one is "I Want to Know." That "I Want to Know" is oh, an yeah. awesome tune. Absolutely. Go back yeah. and listen to the whole album. I bet you there's six legit rockers on there that you go, okay. Yeah, I'm sure I'm wrong, but I'm just thinking the last time I listened to it was 20 years ago in its entirety. So that was my right. thought at the listen time. Listen to like, it back now as a 37 year old cat 
yeah. uh, and see what you think about it. Because I, much like you as a kid, I hated the glamour boys and I hated the middlemen's of the world because I wanted just up-tempo rockers. And you go back and listen, it's like these songs are all really good. Mm-hmm. All of them. All of them. Yeah, plus now, Andy, I th- my guess is you're less of a racist, so you might appreciate <laughs> it more. So give it a listen. Give it a, give it another try. <laughs> Ah oh, yes, I got, I got no response to that. <laughs> Actually, I do have a response. Here we go. I love this. Don't listen to this idiot. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. What happened? We don't hear Chris J. Moment Sorry, guys. No I, I hit the mute on my fancy pants, new uh, Bluetooth micro, or Blue Tone microphone, whatever it's called. Whatever one you want me to say that it is. Um, it looks great. What I was great. saying is, is before, uh, when I mentioned the ACDC um, connection, it very much is an ACDC-style song, and it's the same riff pretty much throughout the tune. And there's probably an extra verse or two that could have been edited and probably would be edited in 2020. But once again, in the 80s, you could put out a four-minute, 50-second song and people would play it on the radio. Uh, they wouldn't do that now. And I can hear there's a lot of repetition here. Uh, what do you think about that, Chris? L? Yeah, I think if they want to do what, what, what people refer to as a radio edit, there's obviously ways that you could condense this. Right. But, um, but I personally never heard a, uh, an edited version uh, on the radio, and they certainly played the full-length version on MTV. So Exactly. I tell you one and one makes three. Oh, I'm a cult of personality. Like Joseph Stalin and Gandhi. Oh, I'm a cult of is that a point it's for- time for the Gandhi jokes. <laughs> Bring them. <laughs> so I found a I found a website that had a. Okay. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, how come they didn't have a picture of Gandhi in there? Like they got Mussolini, they got Stalin, they got freaking Idi Amin, but they couldn't get Gandhi. What the hell? They couldn't, they couldn't get-, get the, the rights <laughs> to his like. I don't know. I, I think. I was gonna say. Said, yeah. Wow, I never expected Gandhi's people would be snobbier than Mussolini. He's <laughs> too expensive to use his likeness. Yeah, because uh, he was so prominent. Go, Nick. Go. He was so prominently featured in the uh, the Michael Jackson um, um, Man in the Mirror video. Maybe they didn't want to get in on that. But, it's overexposed. Um, found a website. I found a website that was uh, when. When he was younger, he was uh, he was performing as uh, Gandhi Dangerfield. I found a few jokes. I had a joke of my own, but I'm not going to say it after that one. You can't follow that. <laughs> I, I'll say it anyway, just because I have to. Uh, they couldn't get Gandhi's the rights to Gandhi's likeness because I believe at the time he was being managed by Sharon Osbourne. And, uh, 
she uh, ruled his <laughs> rights with an iron fist. So. <laughs> Um, hold on a I've actually, uh, there's a couple great uh, Gandhi Jericho jokes. Um, uh, I could tell that my parents hated me. My bath toys were an elephant and a curry. It's a good one. Uh, my wife and I were happy for 20 years. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Just continue. All right. I got, I, I got one. Oh, those, white, those, those white claws are kicking in. <laughs> the real joke, just so you know, uh, was oh. um, I know my parents hated me. My bath toys were a toaster and a radio. So I was trying to jump that's, on that. That's good. I couldn't, I couldn't think of any instruments of death in uh, Indian culture. So. Well, did you want to hear one? Yes, of course. If you want to hear a uh, real quick one of uh, Gandhi Dangerfield's. Big finishes usually. Uh, I went to an Indian massage parlor. It was self service. <laughs> oh boy. That one usually killed. Does it? Not today. But then again, at that time, they didn't really have a lot of eating. <laughs> Uh, Another good one I read is I told my swami that everyone hates me. He said I was being ridiculous. Everyone hasn't met me yet. It wasn't a bad one. That's good. The swami jokes always killed. Yeah. All right. Let's keep going. We're not even halfway through. Or we're right about there. Let's keep going. I, I love, love, love that lyrical alteration for the second chorus, that when the leader speaks, that leader dies. Mm-hmm. I think that's brilliant, brilliant lyric, and especially, you know, the fact that it wasn't a repeat of what was going on the first time. Love it. Right. Agreed. <laughs> Okay, before we get get into the solo, which is uh, a controversial one. That um, sounded like Gandhi's elephant taking a bath there. <laughs> With a curry. <laughs> Tough crowd. <laughs> waka waka. <laughs> I got to say that um, I, I saw Living Color around this time two and a half times. And the reason why I say that is because one time I saw them open for the stones on the Steel Wheels wow, tour. that's cool. So I was all the way at the opposite side of the Pontiac Silverdome. So wow. they were basically barely visible and the sound was mush. So I call that the halftime I saw them. The other two times were at small clubs, one in Grand Rapids, the other in at the Latin Quarter in Detroit, like 1,000, 1,500 capacity venues incredible shows the energy was off the chain they were probably pound for pound the best live band i've ever seen 
Yeah, they're, they're a great live band, man. There's no doubt about it. It's actually one of the rumors why Muzz Skillings, and that's actually his name. There's, there's no joke here. One of the reasons why he left um, the, the Living Color was because he was going to be, he was one of the guys to audition for the Stones when uh, when uh, Bill Wyman left. But obviously Daryl Jones got the gig and not him, but uh, they were definitely those caliber of players for sure. Hmm. Yeah, and I believe Gandhi auditioned for that slot as well. But well, the, uh, and the funny thing is that Muggs Skillings actually got the gig in Gandhi's solo band, so that worked out okay for him. You know, Gandhi didn't get the gig with the Rolling Stones because they said we can't have a guy in the band who wears glasses. <laughs> His musicianship was there, <laughs> just not the right look. Uh, uh, Mick was uh, was intimidated by his. Flowing robes too. So <laughs> yeah. he was afraid. Only of being one guy in this band wears robes, Gandhi. <laughs> Quit stealing the spotlight. Um, have either any of you guys seen Living Color more recently? Uh, yeah, like I said, I saw them when they flew me. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Name dropping when they flew me in. So that was probably 2016 or so. 16. Um, you know, and listen, I I didn't just drop out after after Vivid. The next record was called Type, which was really oh, good. Yeah. And they uh, had it one. Was, uh, it was uh, what? Time's Up is the name. Of the T- Sorry, Time's Up. Yeah, yeah Time's Up. Type was the first single. But yeah. the next record after Time's Up is called Stain. Stain. That one is crazy. Oh, what a, yeah, what a great it's... record that is. So yeah. I was pretty happy uh, to see them because they play a lot of a lot of great stuff, and they've got a long you know long career. So, but they were good. They were good. Absolutely. And you mentioned uh, Muzz Skillings. Um, he's one of these guys, you know, there's a long list of these guys, but I'll just name a couple. Like, say, Mike Starr, bass player for Alice in Chains. Of course. Steven Adler, drummer for Guns N' Roses. Sort of these, like, not the prominent guys in the band, but when they left the yes. band, there was something missing Dude, moving I'll, forward. I'll, Adrian Smith. One of my favorite um, bands, Iron Maiden. When Adrian Smith left in 1989, they were never the same until he came back in 1999. Absolutely agree, agree with right. that. Um, there's a long list of the of those yeah. guys. I can't think of any more off the top of my head, but they're these these what you would think of as bit players. But when they left the equation, the band was different. Not ne- not saying they were worse, but different. And they lost the lost X factor. Yeah. Kind of what they had going on when they came out of the gate. And you can see that, like in sports teams, there's certain guys, like in hockey, there's guys that played third line or fourth line, but when they lose that guy, the team chemistry is not the same. So that's something that you guys have all been in bands. It's something that's very important that people don't understand is the chemistry of a band. And even if someone's a total asshole or whatever happens, when the chemistry changes, sometimes it's hard to get that back. Got Skid Row. Van Halen. I mean, you go down the list. I, I mean, mean, completely. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, here we go with uh, one of the more controversial guitar solos of all time. Come on. 
see if he gets over. All right. Okay, well, um, I know the question that a lot of people are probably asking is like, why, why do I love that and despise stuff from the likes of Michelangelo Badio, Mark St. John, some of Vinny, Vinny Vincent's stuff? The answer is I can't put a, uh, I can't define why that is. I just know that this resonated with me instantly the first time I heard it, and I've loved it ever since. But I realize why people don't like it. Um, but I, I love it. I think it's great. Well, I mean, listen, man, once again, love this band, love this song. It's it's great. But like, like there's, there's a point in the solo where, like, if I picked up a guitar, I'm not a guitar player. I'm not a good guitar player. But I almost feel like, and obviously I'm not saying that I could do that solo, but it's almost like he's just going like, he's, he's angry B. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like Vinny, Listen, Mark St. John's a different thing because we don't even really know much about this guy. But he's very much Vinny Vincent to me because Vinny is a great guitar player, um, but he chooses to go to the side of Shred. Vernon is a great guitar player. Maybe coming out of the gates, knowing this is going to be the first single, he decided I'm going to show everybody what I can do. And it worked. But 30 years later, this solo doesn't hold up as much to me. It's way too long and it's way too out of tune at times. Um, it's just wanking for the sake of wanking, but that's just my opinion. The song's still classic, but if you want to analyze just that solo, I think you could have played it better. Yeah, Jones? I can't. I can't even argue with I you think- on that. I just, for whatever reason, I fell in love with it instantly, and I can't even explain why. Okay. So, what are the Jones boys? Have I think said? that. Um- well, I think that um, I was hearing stuff in there, like when he was going crazy with a lot of the bends and um, the whammy bar and all that stuff. I was hearing stuff that sounded like effects that Tom Morello might use. Mm. Yeah, he's so yeah. super effect heavy in his solos. I'm, I'm hearing similarities there. I don't know that he was necessarily doing it with effects. Oh, yeah, no, you're you're right. Oh, I mean, there's some. some going on over there yeah. <laughs> that's from the white claw pedal by fender it's really really well well put together some, some after effects are going to be rapidly approaching i have a feeling but, uh... <laughs> i wouldn't think andy um i was gonna tie it in with i saw them in i want to say it was 2013 or 2014 and to me i get that they're talented especially vernon reed um but also, I think live, he did so much stuff. Like he, He's one of those guys who doesn't play, at least when I saw him, he didn't play exactly how the records were. He added a lot to everything. And to me, it was like overboard, and everything was faster. And then also with solos in general and t- running, you know, coming back to this one, it's like for me, for my ears, as not a uh, guitar solo man, it's too much for me where I don't really know what's going on. I get that it's difficult and it's fast and it's cool, I guess, but I can't really grasp what's going on. 
And if you were like, hey, guess what? There's a part in there where he's really just not doing anything. He's just making noise. I'd be like, oh, you got me. Because I can't tell either way on some of the things he's doing. Mm-hmm. It's too much. I agree. I think like I think that's one of the reasons why the song is four minutes and 52 seconds. If you wanted to do a radio edit, you could easily take out a verse and probably eight bars of that solo. And it happens all the time. I mean... You know, the, the kick axe, <laughs> say kick axe, it's come popped in my head. On the Road to Rock video, the, the solo was four bars, and on the record, it's, you know, 16. So, you know, I think they could have edited it a little bit had they chose to. Yeah. And, maybe- and the other thing is that it just, it, it comes so far out of left field. It was so fresh at the right. time. And the other thing, the other, I, I I actually never made the connection between Living Color and Rage, but I think it's a great comparison and uh, makes sense that Rage would be uh, influenced by Living Color. But the other thing, the other band that was really came out of nowhere and was very fresh sounding because they were out of left field was Jane's Addiction, who came down the pike maybe a year later. And that was because of Perry Farrell's voice. Mm-hmm. It's like you hear this guy sing and you're just like, what is this guy? What what is he doing? He's not doing anything like anybody else is doing out there today. And um, you know, it's not for everyone, but just that going against the grain like that to such a severe extent is is really what drew me in i think that's also what makes music exciting it looked, like we said look what was going on at the time and look what, what living color represented and also too we're analyzing this you know 32 years later but at the time right. these type of solos is what people wanted to hear and i think that whoever the record company was and the band themselves but if we're going to get get any notice at all as a black rock hard rock band we better live up to the Eddie Van Halens and the George Lintz's of the world. And so in that respect, as a time capsule, absolutely, it's the right solo for the song. Listening to it now, sure, you can judge it, but I think it's just, once again, like you said, a pioneer uh, band that to this day gets a little bit forgotten about how much of a pioneer band they were. Totally agree. Stop it. So, yeah, um, coming out of that solo, Mr. Glover definitely ramped things up in the intensity department on that whole section he's singing on. There. I love that. And that, yeah, and I love the build. I love, I love songs that build an energy. It's not flat through the whole thing, which, you know, um, to sound like an old man is like, what you hear a lot of, on, a, on a lot of corporate rock, for lack of a better term, it's like it's all pieced together. You don't get the sense that these guys were in the same room feeding off each right. other. This, you get that vibe because coming out of that whacked out solo, Corey Glover just 
stepped it up a notch himself and just that intensity continuing to build is great yeah and once again like if you were seeing this <clears throat> at a karaoke uh i was gonna say karaoke shop whatever karaoke club or whatever um that's hard because he's he's on the verge it reminds me a lot of the saint anger album and that he's pure aggro and pure aggression and he's not stopping same thing over i'm the cult of i'm the cult of and it just keeps going to where you're like this guy's not stopping and as a singer myself the best singers are the ones that can make you feel the lyrics that they're that they're saying that they're repeating yeah much like why bon scott's one of my favorite singers like he i believe that bon scott is this rock and roll pirate lascivious and drunk and hitting on chicks and picking them up or Paul Stanley being this sex God. I believe that this guy, Corey Glover is really into this so much that he's like, fuck, he lost it at this point. Mm -hmm. And like, we know it was planned, but it's almost like the band is just going to keep going, keep going, just keep playing until he stops. (laughs) I love, I love that part about this song. Well, and you know how it is in the studio where it's like, yeah, you plan stuff out. You go, in time is money in the studio. You don't go in there to rehearse. You've got everything mapped out and ready to go. But you're going to get that one take that's like, that's the one. You fucking killed it on that take. And who knows if this was the first take or the 50th take, but whatever take it was, he nailed it on this one. And um, it's just all about that build intensity for me. Yeah. It's like if you ever heard the, 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 the story about Twist and Shout by the Beatles that John's voice was shot because they recorded like 12 vocals in that day, how they used to do it back in those times. Right. And they were like, you know, this is it. This is the last one. And John's like, I got nothing left. I'm going to leave everything in this studio. Shake it, shake it, shake it, baby. Now you can hear his voice just like, shake it, shake it. <laughs> right, yeah, you know exactly. Like it, right, it's all he's got left, and I feel the same with with Corey in this. Uh, just really great part, like you said, the energy just building, and then of course leading to the epilogue of the song, shall we say? Oh yeah. So this Mother's Day. Oops. So there I, heard, <laughs> I heard there's a there's a, uh, a remix re-edit last year, and at the end, it's actually um, instead of FDR, it's Rahm Emanuel sing. <laughs> oh, you got to put me on the spot, huh? I, I, know, uh, I know. I know. I put Andy on the spot. Maybe uh, maybe Andy could play the end. And then, I don't know. Maybe that's too much. I think it's too much. We're gonna have to do it mentally. But here it is. Okay. How right. dare him? How dare him? <laughs> I actually heard that uh, at the the re-edit had um, uh, a, 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 un, un, a unused take from Gandhi Dangerfield, who said, uh, "Personality." <laughs> I looked up my family tree and found three elephants using it. That's that's very rare. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's, that's, <laughs> that's that was on YouTube nothing. for a while, but they pulled it down. So, actually, here's one more. Um, it stops and does this. 
There's God. always a jackass. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so that was it. But let me just say that, hold on, that, that ending part is so cool because it's a riff that you don't find anywhere else in the song. And it's just like they stuck it on there for whatever reason. But what a great uh, denouement, shall we say, uh, and an awesome way to end this just frantic energy of this whole uh, of this whole tune. So great work by all the guys in Living Color for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. and and it, Will Calhoun drummer. Yes, I mean that those drums just just knock you over. I love that ride symbol. Kicking, kicking, kicking. It's really good. I'll never forget wow. that ride symbol part. There, it's really killer. Absolutely. Yeah, and like you were saying, a part that's... Are you doing a two-handed kind of L hit there? Uh, The ride ride symbol? Is that like a two-handed? I'm not sure if it's two-handed or if it's like a one-handed roll. Is that? It might be, yeah. Yeah, one hand. In the video, it's it's one-handed, yeah. So there you go. But yeah, like you said, it's a part that doesn't occur anywhere else in the song, which I think is always cool to do that. Instead of like the formulaic, you know, A, B, A, B, C... B or whatever, you know, like they're just gonna throw some off the wall part, and it doesn't take it's, away from the song or anything. It's 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 an old Beatles trick where they'll have like a really cool part that doesn't fit any of the songs, so they just stick it at the end of uh, uh, "Cry Baby Cry" from the White Album. Comes, pops up in my head where they got this really cool like outro where you're like, why did they do that? And it's like, ah, I just had this cool little bit and it didn't fit anywhere, so I just put it at the end of the song. It works. Yeah. I mean, it, it sort of occurs earlier in the song because it's it it sounds like it's very rooted in the whole um, when when he's kind of taking the riff a little further. That da 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 da. It's it yeah, sounds yeah, like yeah. they took that part and it would and were be goofing a, on it or not goofing, but they were around with it. What do they call it in classical music? An overture, where the little piece from earlier appears later, something like that. Whatever it is, yeah, they so, call it that in classical music and reprise to rush songs. So exactly. And every dream theater song, <laughs> right. Sure. Them too. Yeah. But um, yeah, everything about this song is an anomaly from the guys who made it to the arrangement, to the guitar solo. The fact that it was, it caught on with people is really impressive. So yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll vote first. I might as well. Okay. The, the sweetest of sweet surrenders for me. Absolutely. <laughs> Sweet surrender. Hell yes. Hell yes. This song, this band, this album is one of the most influential uh, trio of things in my entire music musical life. I mean, this album blew me away when I first heard it and uh, still love it. Uh, Jericho, you said earlier, pointed out that this song is 32 years old already, if you yeah. believe that. Does not sound dated at all in terms of the production. I mean, any band, hard rock band, would give their left one to put out an album that sounds like this 32 years later. And um, just a, a, a 100% front-to-back triumph for me. Love it. Nick? Who's next? Go for it, Nick. Um, you know, if if, uh, if if one of the... If they gave their left one, you'd be able to tell any. But... Uh, I feel like there's um, a joke a that I missed. Like... Okay. I think he gave it a Darth Vader voice. It's sweet surrender! <laughs> Hell yeah! 
hell yes. Damn technology stepping on punchlines. Um, yeah, very. <laughs> I remember this. Yeah. I remember this song. I was, what, like eight or something? But, I mean, very, uh, very much an MTV and radio, you know, observer. And um, I remember it having an effect like, wow, this is, uh, this is so unique and it's so heavy. And at that age, I wanted like, I just wanted heavy. I wanted heavy music. And this came out and it was like that riff and the sound and the overall production, the drums, everything. And um, it, it had that social, um, yeah, socially, uh, I guess, uh, whatever, responsible. Relevant, responsible. Socially yeah. responsible. Yeah. And like with a sort of a theme and everything, which I think, I, I mean, I would assume Rage Against the Machine guys would, would have been into that at the time too. But um, yeah, just, I don't know. We didn't really talk, I don't think we praised uh, Glover's voice quite as much i know we did get into it a little bit but um it's he's not really going to like a gravelly throat shredding kind of a a voice it's it's, it's too good clean, for that but it's yeah. big and it's full and it's it's powerful he doesn't it's like a guy who doesn't need to go to that kind of a voice but for it to still work with a really heavy music yep yeah agreed um, and i'm done i'll go next oh <laughs> sweet surrender. It's sweet surrender. Hell yes. Mm, hell yes. Sweet surrender from me. Um, echoing what you guys said, but I'll add some of my own stuff. Um, like what Nick said, um, hearing this as a younger man, it was one of those things where you're like, oh, this is heavy. This is cool. Um, I think n- listening to it now, one of the reasons I liked it so much is that it breathes and there's a lot of there's room yeah. in it and there's a groove yeah. to it the it's not just there, like absolutely. all blasting the whole time so i feel like this is one of those songs like it's almost danceable but it's heavy mm-hmm. it's got a groove it's cool um it doesn't seem cheesy in any way still 32 years later the sound of it the sound of it or the lyrics of it <laughs> either one um so hats off to them for that uh, typically I'm not super interested in this is gonna make me sound like an idiot, but I'm not typically interested in like socially conscious lyrics, but it seems like they did it well, so hats off to them for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, go, oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. Please, I was Chris. just gonna say on uh what Andy said about uh the groove and like the space in the music. If you'll notice um underneath the the guitar solo is so in your face and just commands your attention, whether you like it or not. It's just so attention getting, but you'll notice that there is no like overdubbed rhythm guitar part. It's just guitar, bass, drums, mm, like um, a li- like how it would be live. Yeah, and even you know in the studio, you got a four piece band. The producer might call for the uh, guitar player to lay down the rhythm track underneath his own solo. Mm-hmm. That's not the case in uh, this song. Well, it's, it's, it's Van Halen style, right? Yeah. yeah, and that's what struck me about it immediately mm-hmm. because a lot of the 80s albums, especially around 88, were so overproduced and filling up every available spot with sound. 
and not leaving any space in music. And uh, they did that on this cut and uh, it turned out great. Um, I'm last in line. Everlasting life! Uh, <laughs> uh, definitely. I mean, you can't even debate it. Uh, double sweet surrenders. It's sweet surrender! Hell yes. Hell yes. Um, once again, I mean, what a great song to come out uh, at this time frame with the gimmick of the band being the color of their skin was a gimmick, but the, the color of their rock was fucking amazing. <laughs> I don't like political lyrics either, but I appreciate where they were coming from. There's a lot of groove in this and a lot of space in their playing. Um, and this is not uh, uh, stereotyping. These guys are, are African-Americans, and that's what Afri- African-Americans do best is their groove, the blues element of it, and they were able to take that into the rock and roll world. Pioneer, from a sound standpoint, Nick keeps mentioning Rage and all the other bands influence Pioneer from a social standpoint. The fact that you had a, a 17, 18 year old white kid listening to a black band from, I don't even know where they're from, uh, New York. New York I think they're from New York. Yeah. And listening to uh, uh, Mussolini and learning. And then the next single was called open letter to a landlord talking about ghetto and all this other stuff. Like you don't think about this stuff when you're listening to sport and a woody by dangerous toys it's sport a different no, you don't. vibe right so i appreciated that about them i've always had a, a soft spot in my heart for living color i haven't listened to their recent stuff we grew out of it a bit but i'll always listen to vivid and i'll always listen to times up and i'll always listen to stain and uh unbelievable a poignant band that still the solo might not hold up 32 years later but the song and the concept of the band still does all right. It, Although, isn't that a, a dangerous a, toy song that you mentioned? Sport and a Woody? Isn't that song about, that's pretty, I think it's socially relevant. Yeah, I think that's a, isn't a, that song about uh, the trials and tribulations of like the a lumberjackers union, like a strike going on? Well, no, what you don't <laughs> know about, it's actually about the trials and tribulations of Woody Allen. That's okay. what they're talking about. They're big, oh. they're big fans of, uh, of Annie. Or no, what is it? Annie, what's the one? Annie. <laughs> what's the one she's in? Annie Hall. Annie Hall. Annie Hall, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Diane Keaton was also in Annie in uh, Lithuania, a little known mm. uh, Broadway play mm-hmm. that she was in. Yeah, I was going to say that I thought Sport and a Woody was also about gentrification, but uh, you know. <laughs> I think we should put Sport and a Woody on the list of possible songs in the future because if you want some good lyrics, there's some amazing ones in that one. All right. You think you want socially conscious? Go to Living Color. You want uh, cock uh, boner music? Uh, dangerous <laughs> toys are always there for you. Cock boner music. Great description. <laughs> All right, um, quickly before we get to the next round, um, I want to read who submitted this song and what they said. There you go. Um, So, uh, the Deep Purple Podcast. Ooh, Nick was a guest on there. There's such a thing? Yeah, Nick was on it. I was listening to that. Everyone. Okay, sorry. That's all right. I was just on it, so everybody. For what album? What album, Nick? It was for... uh, Actually, it was not a Deep Purple album, but it had a connection. It was actually uh, Captain Beyond's third album. Oh, okay. All right, here we go. He says, uh, this was the first CD I ever purchased shortly after it was released. Incredible guitar tone on an iconic song. Vernon Reed was a refreshing, outside-of-the-box player. They broke up. 
They broke up the monotony of the glam hair metal scene nicely. Mm-hmm. Yep, he's right. And then we got he's Mike. Right. Mike Caruso says, all-time classic song from groundbreaking Living Color. And then right. we got Rich W. Mm, Rich W. I first remember hearing Mick Jagger saw these guys mm. playing and immediately wanted them as the Rolling Stones opening act. Not sure if this is true or not. It is true. Um, it's just a kick-ass song and also CM Punk. So there it is. Yep. So there we have it. Um, well, Andy, you're a CM Punk fan. Does that uh, enhance your enjoyment of the song at all? Um, yeah, sure. Because maybe that's a, a period when I didn't listen to it for a long time. Kind of came back. What was that like? Maybe ten years ago or so, when that became his theme song. So maybe brought it back to front of mind. So I would say so. Sure. I always thought it was cool that they let him use an actual song. You know. Yeah. So. That had to be uh, difficult. Never let me get... use an actual song, but yep. uh, you know, I always wanted to use uh, "All Night," and they wouldn't let me <laughs> use it. So, <laughs> taking sides, preferential I, treatment. Yeah, I heard you wanted to uh, come in on a rope swing too and go over a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have the budget. The Admiral cat <laughs> trench coat. Well, we work all day. All right, so <laughs> I'm better. Than, I'm better than Ken Mills. Admit it. Oh, by the way, hold on. Last week, harder rock and roll. One of my all-time favorite great fucking rock tunes, man. And you guys nailed it with like naming the cities and the sax solo. And one thing I wanted to add, we don't have to get into it too long. But if I was I was on the show, like think listening, that end part where there's the big jam and it's like bam and out. If I was in Huey Lewis in the news and, and Obviously, I never have been. Uh, Still one time. of my great regrets in life. Um, I bet you they play that for like three or four minutes at the end live and just do a jam. Huge oh, yeah. thing. I mean, they got to. It's so good. What a fucking tune. And what a tune we just had tonight with, uh, uh, what's it called? Sweet Surrender? What yes. Called personality. Right. <laughs> Sorry. We're just talking about Nick's Sweet Surrender music. <laughs> Analyzing All right. an eight-second piece of music. All right, so... Four Sweet Surrenders wins you a trip to the next round. All right, Hammond! I got a question for you! Everyone has to air drum this part. If you ever listen to the song and you wonder, or listen to the show and you wonder why during this part, sometimes we're silent for like 30 seconds, it's because we're all just air drumming. I also like hearing, I got a question for you! (laughs) Okay, Paul Stanley wants to know, if Cult of Personality is a rock and roll boner classic, as voted by the four rock and roll boners on this podcast, working remotely during this wild time, Nick has a mask on again. Is that your Adrizi brothers or is that a. Uh, what is that? Oh, it's an uh, uh, all night mask. <laughs> Nick's got that on for our protection. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Thank you for being responsible. Uh, so, it has to be unanimous. We it's all know that. I to get my legs through the little, uh, little <laughs> I was going to I was just about to say, he's got, he's got the awe uh, mask for his face oh. and the all oh, night my. mask for his groin. What's, what's he got going on there? We got a, a bourgeois. 
<laughs> One of the writers of All Night, Shella, by the way. Yep, yep. So we brought that up. All right, so what happens next? It has to be a unanimous vote from all four rock and roll boners. Oh, my goodness. Um, rock and roll boner is how it has to go. Each one okay. gives out a word. And if you don't like it, no boner, soft wiener, however you want to say it, not happening. Got a headache, got diarrhea, whatever you want to say. No boner. So uh, let's go. Andy. My vote, then. That's never stopped anybody. <laughs> My vote's in. Andy, Nick, on, Chris L, Chris J. How's that? Sounds good. Okay. Oh, I'm thinking, oh, man, what a tough one. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it a rock. And my next. Chris. Your last. I get a roll. Beauvoir. <laughs> there you go. It's a rock and roll ball It's a rock and roll ball yeah. Are you kidding me? Who do you think you are? I am. Get it right. <laughs> I know you're denying that one. That goes in the Hall of Fame for sure. Bouffois yeah. is French for erection, so that makes sense. Is that right? <laughs> I've got a raging you know, bouffois right <laughs> From this? Jeez, man. <laughs> what are you, 18 again? Beauvoir, I mean, uh, visually could have fit into this band. So. Oh, he could have. Yeah. It would have been great to have him in there. He could play the boss. With the, with, the, the and with, with the crazy hair and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good one, guys. He, it was uh, fun. He, uh, Beauvoir auditioned for the Stones, and he, too, was uh, not taken because he wears glasses. So. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know why why they were so particular about that. We got, we got that. this guy coming, John Beauvoir, a giant fucking blonde mohawk. We said, you're not fucking Stones material, man. <laughs> <laughs> he could have formed an all-glasses it's band like with Gandhi. It's like a Boosie Collins. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So... We're sorry. I don't think anyone disagrees with us, but if you do, come on. That's just the fucking way it is. Deal with it. <laughs> All right. Hey, CJ, do you have a couple minutes to do a yard of questions, or do you want to wrap it up? It's your I got choice. five more minutes, and then I'm ready to rock. So, yeah, let's Light, do five minutes. Lightning round, Andy. Lightning round. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. 
a laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Here we Move go. Through I've it. already spent uh, almost 90 minutes on this piece of shit, so come on. I was under the impression this was going to be a three-hour booking. <laughs> Listen, every time I see a... Uh, this yes. why I'm not a Joe Jeez. Rogan fan. His podcasts are too fucking long, man. Yeah. It's got to be an hour to an hour and a half talk. I agree. Or else you have to listen to it over the course of several days. It's like... You don't even remember what they were talking about. People don't have much time. Yeah. All right. So, lightning round. We're going to buzz through these uh, quickly. Let's see. A good yard of questions with short ones here. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No. Too long. All right. Here we go. This one's from Jerry Kern. These are short questions, so we're going to roll with it. Nick just took his Cubs head off and uh, tipped his cap to Jerry. So, here we go. Question one. What is your favorite one-hit wonder? Maybe favorite is hard to say, but give me a one-hit wonder you enjoy, or favorite if you have it on the tip of your tongue. I got, I got a good one. I love this song whenever I hear it. Uh, uh, wild Wild West. Living Ooh. in the nineties, oh. living in the wild wild west. Who's that? Escape Club? Is that Escape Club? Yeah. Is? Somebody should yeah. should uh, cover that. You think it has potential for a modern yeah. cover? I love. I love. I also love the, the lyric of "Living in the '80s, headed for the '90s." And it's like, oh my gosh! I remember hearing that when it came out, thinking, "What will the '90s be like? Will it be spacemen?" Right. <laughs> Nick, how about you guys? Nick, everybody have fun tonight. Wing Chun. All right. I'll take yeah, that. Good. Chris L. Yeah, love I'm that song. Go. And, and uh, oh. yeah. He also likes the other, the My Dick version, which is <laughs> sublime. Of course, yes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go a little more rocking, and some people might uh, dispute the fact that this was their only hit. They had some other songs, but um, mine is going to be Aaliyah by Donny Iris. Nice. Pittsburgh's own. Pittsburgh's own. Great song. Excellent song. Doogie all right, question two. If you had to choose an album that you could listen to once more, but then never hear again, what would it be? In other words, the last time you can hear it. Wow, Jer- that's Jerry, that's, 
Are we dying after? Yeah, or? what's going on here, Jerry? Is, is his question is, what's the last album? I'm going to switch it. Yeah. I'm using the Chris Jericho clause. What's the last album you would want to listen to before you die? Like, you're you're done. You know you're dead. And uh, uh, the Reaper has allowed you one more album. Hmm. And you're and you're willing to go. You're not. You're, I'm done. Wow. I got one more album to go. And this is not a terrifying thing. It's a happy thing. What's the last album you would like to hear before you die? In a good way. I've got my answer. What's yours, Chris? This will take me back to uh, not the beginning, but a real pivotal album in my musical appreciation and. Um, also, when you consider what the last song is and how it ends, would be the perfect segue into Eternal Slumber. <laughs> the album is Led Zeppelin Two. Which open is that? Which one is that? That opens with Whole Lot of Love and gotcha. closes with Bring It On Home. Gotcha. So. Nick, I'll do. Uh, oh, okay, Nick, go ahead. Story. He's frozen. CJ. Oh no, go ahead. Nope. I still need a minute. All right, Chris J. Uh, I'll do. I'll listen. I'll go back to. Uh, I made a list of my top 100 favorite albums in 1993 when I was bored in Mexico, and I just recently was found that again. Uh, my favorite album then is still probably my favorite album now. And for, to, go, to go into eternal slumber, it's Kiss Alive. To think about, like, listen, I'm ready to go and start off with fucking Deuce and go through the whole thing and. and air drum the solo for 100,000 years and dude and then and let me go let me go rock and roll in the afterlife done that works there you go Nick um I've got well I mean I'm, I'm having a hard time because I've got two in mind and uh, I'll just pick one that I've mentioned but my favorite rock album ever is uh, Tiny Music Songs from the Vatican Gift Shop wow I think that would be a cool way to go out. And I was gonna go with I was gonna instrumental actually. Like a I I'll just throw it out there real quick. I was gonna go to the uh, soundtrack from It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, which I think is absolutely brilliant and moody. Wow. And I it just something about fading life fading away, that soundtrack seems to work. Hmm. Alright, I thought All you were right. gonna say horn lines by Mark St. John. <laughs> Alright. Oh no. Question three. That's the album that would kill you when you're not expecting it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I thought of a terrible joke. DM me for that one. I'm not saying it. Anyway, question three. Oh, we don't usually I usually skip over these just because I don't care for this question, but I'm gonna do it. Mary fuck kill. Tom Jones, Paul Anka, Paul Stanley. I never understood why there has to be a kill. Why can't That's it be like? Lot. Why can't it be like Mary? Fuck! N- don't talk to ever again, or like disregard from life, or something. I don't know why it has to be so violent. Like I don't want to murder we someone. Can change it. All right. So we could change it. Let's change it. Who are you gonna marry? Who are you gonna bone? Who are you never gonna hear from or experience any of their uh, art again? Tom Jones, Paul Anka, Paul Stanley. All right, I'll go. Uh, get rid of Paul Anka. Sounds like an asshole, always yelling at you guys. Um, Mary, <laughs> that's hard to say. Like, yeah, I would never want to say that I want to fuck Paul Stanley because he's my friend. So, 
I could marry him. Yeah, there you and, go. And fuck Tom Jones, because Tom Jones would probably be a great fuck as a, as a, you know, boning the top of the top for the last 50 years. So I'm going to go with, I feel good about that one. I feel good about that one. Uh, I will go and I will say I would marry Paul Anka simply because he's the least uh, uh, animalistically sexy of this trio. Yeah. So I would marry him. I would fuck Paul Stanley and I would also fuck Tom Jones. That's (laughs) my trio. (laughs) You changed the plot. I I don't care. It's my show. I can do whatever the Possibly at the same time. A three-way. Chris L. with Paul Anka and Paul Stanley in a three-way. Nobody would come out of that alive. <laughs> but everybody would come. Ooh, Next, question. They would. Next question. Nick? Nick? And look, we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't talk. For All right. All right, let's do one more and I got to get out of here. No, that's it. That's no, it. That's it. That's oh, it. Okay. That's question three. Yeah. So we, we did it. We uh, yeah. slid in just under the nick of time. Thank you, Jerry Kern, for your questions. Thank you, Chris Jericho, for joining us yet again. We appreciate it so much when you stop by and say hi to us. I know yeah, the listeners pleasure, love it, it too. Great, great, great poll today. Great yeah, was song, good great episode. I can't do uh, next week, but maybe the week after that we can get back together and rock again. Always a pleasure, never never a chore. Love it. Thank you, man. Thank have, you, boys. Have Cheers. a good night. Stay safe, man. You good too. talking to you guys. See ya. Bye. Bye. Hey. Oh, there we go. When the podcast again, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Even Chris L. got in on the air drumming there. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.